Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you for all these, your children that you have sent here to share and partake in your precious word, the manna from heaven. We just thank you, Lord, that the acronym for this church, Grace and Truth Church, is help, heal, empower, love, and prosper. We know that you want to heal us everywhere we hurt, to empower us to live a life of overcomers that you have paid the price for us to do. To love us, we want we want a revelation of your love, Lord, and we thank you that that is the most important thing to help us walk in a life of victory and and prosperity, Lord. We just thank you that we will be prospered in every way, and we know what that means. That is not just about money, Lord. We want to be prospered in every way so that we can help others with the same help that we've received. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, y'all know. <laughs> I heard something yesterday. You know why? You want? You know why the pony couldn't sing? He was a little horse. <laughs> Mark Twain said something. I don't know if he was a spiritual man, if he knew the Lord or not. I hope he did. But he said something that really applies to Christians. He said the two most important days in a person's life is the day that they're born and the day that they find out why. (laughs) And (laughs) with Christians, with the body of Christ, I I pray for the the church as a whole all the time. We're just one one little segment, one little part of it. But we pray and we, everyone should be praying for the whole church. But I know for a fact that Christians, for the most part, walk so far below their inheritance in Christ and their true identity and the power that has been handed over to them that it's really sad. And I think that some of the tears that the Lord wipes away on that day when we meet Him again are going to be because we're going to find out all the things that we could have had and could have done and could have helped others with and didn't. Nevertheless, we know every tear is going to be wiped away and that's a good thing, right? Amen. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3 if you have your Bibles. If not, just listen and look it up later. We post everything up on SoundCloud for free, iTunes, um, Google Play, got podcasts, it's on Facebook, so please go in and on SoundCloud you can listen to over a hundred messages that I've done, I think, if they're still all up there. Second Timothy 3.16, my uh, finger's working, there you go brother, <laughs> you just Get that. I, I like to I like to feel it and see where I have it underlined and marked up exclamation points. That's good though. I, I respect people that have enough uh, savvy of technical uh, stuff to, to use their devices. And that's okay. I used to think they were all just uh, pulling my leg and they were really just texting and stuff. But I, I, I found that some are actually looking at their Bible on their phone. So that's cool. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture 
is breathed out by God. I've got the English Standard Version here. The NIV says it's God-breathed. The King James that says it, thinks that's given, given by inspiration of God. Nevertheless, it all means the same thing. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training and righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete or perfect, it says, in the King James, equipped for every good work. Praise God. So the point of this, because without this, um, we don't have much to, to talk about. We have to... Amos 3.3 3 says, How can two walk together unless they be agreed? Amen? And that's what... It, and God is wanting us to walk together in agreement with Him. That's the point of that. Now, can God change to get to where we need Him to be, to be like us, so that we can walk together? He cannot. He will not. Why? There's nothing wrong with Him. Alright? The Word of God, this Bible, is God-breathed. Given by inspiration of God to over 50 writers over a period of hundreds and hundreds of years. Over a thousand years, 1,600 years, something like that. And they, they don't disagree. This is not a book written by men about God. This is a book written by the Holy Spirit through men to you about himself and about you. Now, we have a we have a terrible crisis in our culture and time. I know that you're probably aware of it, this universalist church and that they accept Jesus, you see. So it's very dangerous. They can bring people in there. Oh yeah. Come on. But they accept everybody else too. <laughs> Even the ones that are still in their grave, you see. Like Muhammad and Buddha. And that's bad. Jesus didn't, God didn't send His Son to die such a horrible death just to be one of the ways to heaven, did He? It's Him or it's nothing. And that, that wrinkles a lot of feathers. But in this universalist mentality, it's, they take any portion of this Bible that doesn't conform to today's standards in the world and they just take it out. They say, oh, that's not... For today, In other words, God has sort of evolved, you see, from this. This was written by men who didn't know a lot. Now we're enlightened, you see. Wrong. God hasn't changed, and He wrote the book. And it's still relevant for today. Amen? So, this is a sort of a foundational scripture. You have to have this, and people have to agree with it. Otherwise, you just bashing heads, you know what I mean? And there's nothing to agree upon. Well, I think this and I believe that. I, it doesn't matter what I believe or what you believe or what they believe. It's what God says. And if any of us are off, you know, a Christ, Christians all over the world should be able to say, well, you know, I think this and I think this. And obviously there's a disagreement here. Let's go, let's find out what God says. And whatever we, whatever we, we see from the word, then that's that's going to settle it. God said it; that settles it. You see, but it's not that way. We see divisions <coughs> all over the country based on politics and race and stuff like that, even within the church. And that is not God. Even all the denominations. I'm not against anybody because all of us came from somewhere. 
We love them all. See, we build relationships based on people's strengths, not their weaknesses. We're too quick to point out people's weaknesses when we should be speaking edification and find the common ground and then grow from this place right here. Nevertheless, I like to talk about that second part of what Mark Twain was talking about. Not the day we were born, but the day we're born again. And then the day we find out who we are and what we have in Christ. Amen? Because I don't want Christians... I have... I tell the story of my brother who I love so much. And my only brother, he passed away when he was my age four years ago. And he, thank God, he came to, to Christ before he passed on. So he's in heaven. Look forward to seeing him again. Not too soon. But he, he never walked in victory in this life, you see. He never walked in this life. He was always walked without understanding any of the spiritual laws that God has in place for us to agree with to help us, you see. There, God has a law for everything. Everything in, is in seed form. I think I mentioned this last week. Genesis 8, verse 22, talks about the fact that there is seed, time, and harvest. You know, I've, I've got a couple hundred acres in cotton right now. We're about to plant winter wheat. And you know, we... We know that if we want wheat, we have to plant wheat seed. We want cotton, we have to plant cotton seed. And then we know that if we come check on it tomorrow, there's really no sense in that. And if we go dig it up before it's ready, you know, you ever seen that movie, Faith Like Potatoes? Anyway. Nevertheless, I'll get off. <laughs> But there's always going to be seed time and harvest. We're going to get what we sow, more than we sow, later than we sow. Everything in the kingdom of God, Jesus said, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand anything about the kingdom of God. Because everything's in seed form. All your gifts and talents came from God and, and your time, your love, your affection, your money. Everything is in seed form. You're a steward or custodian of that and God is watching how you steward it. And when you do well, the reward is more work. More of the same. Amen. When we get to heaven, we're not just going to sit around on a cloud and play a harp. There's work to be done and we're going to love it. Work should be a joy. Somebody needs to teach these kids this today. Instead of teaching them how to be offended and not miss an opportunity for an entitlement. That is not God. That is the devil. And it's doing damage to our young people. Christians need to stand up. Christians need to not be afraid to tell the truth. Let God fight your battles. If God said it, you say it. Let the chips fall where they may. Praise God. Now, there's... You know, there's a way to do things. You know, we're not, we're not just out to be right. We want to be reconciled. We want them to be reconciled with God. Amen. So, you know, I know I have a friend that he just, man, he he just blasts everybody. He's always got something to say and it's about this long. And he always speaks in the King James. And he just turns people off. It's very off-putting. You know what I mean? And he might be right, but he's doing it all wrong. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> 
But there are spiritual truths. There are laws that govern everything about us God has in place for our benefit. Right? Gravity, for instance, is a natural law that God put in place for our benefit. Otherwise, we would float away, wouldn't we? But now if we go step off of a 10-story building, we shouldn't blame God for that mistake. You know, he, he didn't do it to hurt us, but it will hurt us if we don't learn to cooperate with the same with electricity and so on and so on. So the same thing with, uh, with our finances. If we, want, if we want money, we need to sell money. If, you know, I, 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 in my book, I, have a, I think I put the story about how when I, uh, my wife and I came to know the Lord, we had been quite wealthy. And uh, made some bad business decisions. And then some of them we just walked away from uh, when we decided to, uh, to really get born again. Nevertheless, we went through some hard times. And then the first few years of my ministry, I thought like some preachers do, that that's all I was supposed to do. And I about starved to death until I realized, hey man, until... Until until I met the right preacher who told me, listen, that's not how it works. You until until you have full time ministry, you work full time. You know. Yeah. Oh, thank God, I've been wanting to, but I had been spending sixteen, eighteen hours a day in the Word anyway, and in church. It was a great time. I can't. But anyway, the point is, my wife and I. One of the little businesses we were never good at, but we did have a little car lot. And uh, we had the finance license and all that stuff. <laughs> and uh, we've always been kind of generous, even before we knew the Lord. But <laughs> that car lot, we, we financed cars and we did it. Well, I didn't put any kind of the tracking devices on them or anything. <laughs> and I financed. People needed a car. They had a sob story. Sure, man. Where you live? Right over there? Okay. Well, none of them ever paid a note. I might have had a guy that came and made his note every week. And when he did, I'd be like, wow, I really came back. But the rest of them didn't. And then we'd go to, I'd go knock on their door. Because uh, back then I wasn't uh, as uh, friendly as I am now all the time. And, uh, and I'd go knock on the door and none of them were ever lived there. Nobody was ever there. The, the car wasn't there. Long story short. The Lord started teaching me these things about seed time and harvest and everything's a seed. And, and I, we had a, we had closed the, Hurricane Ike got the little car lot. We just let that thing go. And I had all these car titles. And, uh, <laughs> and no money. And we barely had a car to drive ourselves. I was always working on something just to get us to work the next day, you know. And I had a, a dream. And in that dream, there was a, a, a beautiful park, which is near my house. It's actually right back here. I live in Enchanted Valley, and it's over on Telgi. You know, the one with the monument where they, the, uh, Sam Houston and his army camped before they went to Santa Ana. Anyway, over there right by the creek. And, uh, the, uh, and I used to walk my dog over there. Anyway, in my dream, I'm walking up on that beautiful park and the pine trees and all this, and there's a bench there. And there were two men sitting there talking on the bench. And I, I later just realized they were angels. 
Well, at the top of these beautiful trees on this beautiful day, and I've been reading how we are like trees also, you know, and these trees are praising God, had their arms lifted up to heaven, praising God. And on the top of all these trees, they had cars. I think I recognize some of them. And I knew exactly what that meant. I knew God was telling me to just give it to Him. To sow those cars into my future. Anything we sow doesn't leave our life. It just leaves our present. It goes into our future and multiplies. Amen. And I turned. I didn't want to believe it though. And I turned to those two men sitting on the, the bench. And I said... Is that God? In other words, is that Him saying? And the, and the one looked at me and he went, Yes. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I told my wife about this dream and I said, I think God wants me to, wants us to just to give those cars to these people. And she's like, Why? And she goes, She prayed about it. She said, I think you're right. He, he'll do that with husband and wives if you're on the same page with God. And that's very helpful. <laughs> Otherwise, you could really have some problems and He doesn't want that. So anyway, I drafted a really nice letter on this nice stationery, and it told about what had happened with us, how we've been looking for things our whole life and kept getting things and we're still empty and we found the Lord and He found us and, and how we were, we'd found the real peace and joy we were looking for and we wanted to sow this car into their life and hope that they... Uh, would find the same peace and joy in knowing the Lord that we had. Something to that effect. And it was just before Christmas and we sent them all out to those addresses that we never could find the people at, right? Sent them all out. Signed the titles. Put it in with the letter. And none of them came back. (laughs) And you know, I still had to drive uh, some pretty bad cars for a while. But then, my harvest started coming in. And I, I've driven a new vehicle, well, new as I want. I'll buy them new, keep them for a while. And my wife has too for, for quite a few years now. And I think that we always will. We broke the back of poverty in that specific area of our lives. Right there. You see what I'm saying? And now, you, somebody could do that with one part of their life and still be hiding other things in another part. But anyway, as soon as you agree with God... Things start getting better. Look at John 4.24. Because these spiritual laws are so important to understand and cooperate with. And I'll tell you why. You remember John 4.24. You remember the in Genesis where it says God created man in their image. In His image. And... Uh, and you say, okay, you ever thought about that? We all look a little different. Which one of us did He create us? John 4.24, Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. I don't know why I turn over here, but I know it. He said, God is spirit. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So if God is a spirit... And He created us in His image. And 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, We are three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. We need to start understanding some spiritual things, don't we? 
And I'm not talking about the kind you call the 800 number or whatever or pick up the horoscope. That's not God. But God is a spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. He created us in His image. Jesus said, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. After everything is gone, Jesus said, when when the heavens and the earth are gone, this word will remain. I think it was uh, Jesse Duplantis. Y'all know that guy? He, I was watching a deal, Close Encounters of the God Kind. He, he actually got, he actually says he went up to heaven. Uh, and he was just kneeling at his bedside and was taken up to heaven. And he saw some things. He saw heaven, he saw hell. And he said he saw two of the apostles talking and, and he went up, he was interested in what they were talking about, discussing. And they found out they were talking about the Word. They were talking about the Word of God and they were really just having a great conversation. So, like I said, things are, things are going to be interesting when we get to heaven. And this Word is always going to remain. This is the one truth that we can count on and the sooner we agree with it, the better. Jesus taught about some hard things. I want to look over in... Uh, um, let's, let's just go to Luke. I'm just going to jump to Luke. And we'll, I want to just stay right there so y'all don't have to jump around anymore. And I'm just going to walk you through a little thing right here that I like to do. Because I think... I hear a lot of people these days trying to... They, they, they diminish the Word of God and they just say, well, they base all of their choices and decisions on, well, Jesus is just love, you know. And He is. But everything that we call good isn't God. And sometimes things that really are sort of good, it's not God telling you to do it. You ever get to a place where at the end of the day you're like, Lord, I just... There's not enough time to do everything that you uh, have for me to do. You know his answer? I didn't tell you to do some of that. <laughs> God would be unjust to ask us to do something that we couldn't do or he didn't provide enough time. And he's not. He's just and fair. He does that for me all the time because when I get in that position, I get it a lot. I wear a lot of hats. I'll be like, Lord... I try not to complain because I'm afraid he'll take some of the stuff away from me that I just enjoy on my own and he doesn't mind me having as long as it doesn't get in between me and him. He's like that. But if you get to complaining, he'll point it out to you. That's not me. (laughs) But people talk about Jesus and they don't know Jesus. Jesus, everything Jesus said wasn't always real easy, was it? Look in John chapter 6. Did I tell you all that? And No. Forgive me. Luke chapter 14. Golly. I'll be alright. Luke chapter 14. And. Oh man. I would just love to. Just. Go down to the 15th verse. I'm going to back up to the 11th. And I'm just going to read that. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the Lord talking. 
God gives grace to the humble, doesn't He? He gives grace to the humble. He doesn't like pride, does He? And the Holy Spirit, who is God here with us. You see, our Father is seated on His throne in heaven. And Jesus is right next to Him. He's finished. He didn't sit down next to the Father because He was tired. He sat down because He was finished. And now, God that is here is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Here to teach us all things and remind us of everything that Jesus has said. Humility is the way to success with God and in the Christian life. If you want to have everything and be everything and do everything that God has written for you to do, you have to stay humble. That's the way to receive. Because not that God ever turns it off. Never, ever, ever does God turn off His supply. We shut it off. We shut off our receivers. Amen. When we, when we agree with the enemy, we open a door to the enemy and he has a legal right to come in and eat our lunch and pop the bag. So my friend Andrew always says. <laughs> and he'll do it. He knows his rights. He knows this word better than we do. And God is so just and so holy and so good that He even holds Himself accountable to this Word. And the enemy does have some rights. We have been given all authority over the works of the devil. Not the devil himself. Not yet. Jesus is going to deal with him. But he's already defeated. So where is he getting the power and authority and ability to do all the terrible things that he's doing? All the killing... And destroying and stealing. Isn't that what Jesus said in John 10.10? I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. The devil, the thief, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Half the churches out there this morning are teaching people that God is putting things on people. God is taking people home. From a a 40-year-old wife... When the husband was the sole provider. Because God needed him more in heaven. Bull. God didn't do that. The devil did. Why is it so important that people stop being taught these awful things about God? Because they get mad at God, don't they? They try to understand it. Okay, well, I guess if that's what God wanted, that's fine. But then they go home. And all the friends leave. And the funeral's over. And... People stop bringing food. And she's sitting there and she says, well, why did you do this to me? If you love me so much. And God's saying, I didn't. I didn't do it. I don't put divorce on people to teach them a lesson. I don't put poverty on anyone. That's from the devil. Good God, bad devil. It's that simple. I've been in church settings. Sat under people who tried to make it so complicated that you had to have them to understand it. They are building kingdoms unto themselves, you see. I love God's people because I love God. 
I love them coming and I love them going. People tell me, I'm going to come to your church. Awesome. Tell me what God said. I think I'm going to be leaving. Okay, cool. God must have a new assignment for you. What is it? I'm excited. I've had people fight over me. <laughs> Literally. When I was wanting to and fight with me about leaving. I think I must have got interrupted when I was telling you all that story about that big church before. But I don't know what. I do that. Forgive me. But one day I sat down in that new big office I had and the Lord said, and I said, Lord, I don't think they're ever going to change and agree with you. I was a young minister. They knew they had 30 scriptures to come back at me for every truth that God had shown me. They were prepared. And he said, do you trust me? Yes, sir. Are you prepared to take up your identity and me alone? Yes, sir. Get your stuff and get out of here. And I did. And you know what they said? That wasn't God. I said, yes, it was. I know his voice. I knew his voice. And one thing they had taught me, when God tells you a thing, you do not consult with flesh and blood. And I got out of there. <laughs> and ever since then, I've been following a, a quote that uh, Charles Spurgeon, another quote that Charles Spurgeon said. He said, Preach Jesus, and Jesus, and Jesus, and nothing else but Jesus. <laughs> Luke 14. How am I doing? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through this real quick. Not, not gonna, your, your, your minds can only absorb as much as your seats can endure. Amen. <laughs> Luke 14, verse 15. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. This is Jesus. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. You ever bought a field without looking at it first? <laughs> Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Again. <laughs> Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. God is preparing His kingdom. And it's not His will that any should perish, but that everyone repent and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. As a matter of fact, that's why, you know that song we sang earlier when, when Gabriel sounds the trumpet and he said, I can almost hear the Father saying, Son, go get your children. The reason He hadn't done that yet 
is because He loves us, He loves the world, and He He doesn't want anyone to perish. Some are going to. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Titus 2.11 But not all men are saved because you have to receive this gift by faith, don't you? This grace. Let's read on. Now great crowds accompanied him. This is Jesus. This is a different story. I'm not, I'm not lost. I don't have to explain that other one to you. I feel like you get it. Now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me... Here's about the hard things I was telling you. Jesus, you don't ever hear some of these folks when they, when they love Jesus, but they don't love His Word. They don't talk about these sort of things. If anyone comes to me and he does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, does God want us to hate our folks and hate ourselves? No, that's not what Jesus is saying, is it? He's saying he has to be first. Right? He can't be my disciple. It's all about discipleship. Jesus, before he went home, he didn't say go into the world and make converts. Go into the world and chalk up as many as you can that will say the prayer. He said go into all the world and make disciples. Without this word, people aren't really going to be helped in this life. It's just like the oxygen mask that dropped down in the airplane. If you're riding with your kid, what do they say? Put it on the kid first? No. They say put it on yourself first. Is that because they want you to be selfish and they hate kids? No. Because if you're not uh, coherent, you can't help anybody else. Right? That's why God wants us to be helped. He wants us to be healed everywhere we hurt. He wants us to be empowered by this work to understand the spiritual laws that He has in place for our benefit. And He wants us to have a revelation of the love that He has for us so that the enemy can't lie to us when He tries to put condemnation on us about things that Jesus has already forgiven us for. And He wants us to prosper in every way in our relationships, in our emotions, in our finances. Amen. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all will see it. All who see it will begin to mock him. Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 men to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Again, he just wants to be first. And he taught a lot of things about, you know, whoever puts their hands to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. This is, this is two-sided coin. First of all, it's because he loves you that he wants you to cons- really consider the cost of coming to him. 
Not just the benefits. Too many people have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And you know what? It hurts his reputation. It's all about the kingdom. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. He loves us. You know, there's nothing you can do to make him love you any less or any more. He is love. He loves you completely. Your lack of attention and dedication and discipleship will cause you to love him less. I was talking to two people this morning. I have church all the time before y'all ever got here. I, I, two different people, two different phone calls. I said, look, just spend time with the Lord when you can, however you can, as often as you can. It's what you need. Because I can tell when people have not been with the Lord. You know, when people are falling apart, usually their Bible isn't. (laughs) And sometimes we just get off. And you know what? We need real friends who will point us to God. Man, I'm sorry that's that's happening to you. But so often they call, but, but what's God saying? You know, that's that's what we tell them. That's what a good friend will tell them. What's God say? Let's pray. Let's pray for that person and you. Let's pray for this situation. Let's pray for wisdom. Let's pray for God's favor. Instead of calling that friend that just agree with you and call them all kind of SOBs and you don't have to put up with that. That's not a friend. That's not a friend. They might think they are. But they need the same thing that everybody needs. Jesus. Jesus is nothing but Jesus. It goes on to say, salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's not, it is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It's thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. They all had physical ears. He's talking about spiritual things. He's talking about our effectiveness for the kingdom. Again, his reputation. I have a, I know a, a preacher has a large church here in town. There's a guy that used to come to his church and, and he, he did terrible things and lost his family and hurt everybody and destroyed everything. But this minister would talk about this guy who was a real evangelist, this other guy, and not talk about him to backbite or to... To, to hurt him, which Jesus considers murder if we talk about people, you know? But he was doing it for a, a teaching thing, to, to tell other ministers. And this is, it fits right in with how God got me to, to be a minister. But he said, you know, this guy brought over 4,000 people to my church, but he offended every one of them with his life. But let me tell you how God feels about you and we'll finish, okay? He's not saying those things to be hard. You know, in John six, six and John chapter six, he's he's always if you notice when Jesus is is slamming people, because he would he would he would body slam some folks. Not literally, but well maybe that couple of times in the temple. But he said things like, I mean, this is before they had communion, okay? Like, hey, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And they didn't know what that meant. And he didn't explain. 
He just said, his disciples came. He said, you know, that, that was hard teaching. That, that offended some of them. He said, so, you want to leave too? That's what he told the disciples. And you know what they said? Where are we going to go? You have the words of life. And they were right. But John 6, 6, 6 says, And many departed and followed him no more. That spirit of Antichrist. But let's get to the point. Jesus said, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, these religious hypocrites, they grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. I have things go off in my mind. I can almost hear Jesus saying, Damn right. <laughs> No, he didn't say that, but I would. <laughs> That's the church I want. Same church Jesus had. Go get me a couple of guys off their fishing boats, out there cussing and spitting, because they knew. Lord, get away from me! I'm not. I'm not good. Come on, come on. You know, a liberal church will tell people, "Come on, come as you are, and just stay that way." A legalistic church will say, you can't, you're not welcome here until you fix all these problems. But the real church, the church that Jesus loved, a relationship building church, says everybody's welcome. And Jesus is going to fix you from the inside out. Amen. That's, that's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. Jesus told a story one time about a guy who owed millions upon millions of dollars to the king. And he was called before the king and he said, oh, if you, if you king, if you just give me some time, I'll pay it back. Well, he couldn't pay anything back. He didn't have any money. He would never pay that back in 50 lifetimes. And the king felt so sorry for him, he, he forgave the whole debt. And then the same guy, he walks outside and he runs into a guy that owes him a few bucks. And the guy can't pay him. And the guy asks him, just give me a little time and I will pay you. This guy probably could have and would have. It was just a little bit of money. And he started choking him. No. To me now. And they went and told the king what this guy had done. And you know, he called him back in there and he said, you wicked. Man, after everything I forgave you, you couldn't forgive this guy, this little dad. You going into the prison? You're going to stay there until you repay every penny? And knowing that he just took him out of the workforce, he's not repaying that. That's how God feels about us if we don't forgive. You know, Mark 11, 24, he starts out, he starts saying, you know, that whatever you believe for, when, when you pray, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Believe and don't doubt. But then the next scripture, people stop right there in that Mark 11. The next scripture says, and when you're praying, if you have anything against your brother, go forgive him so that God will forgive you. Amen. We've got to keep our hearts pure. 
I tell people, guard your heart. I am. I ain't letting that SOB get near me. No, no. That's not what that's not what that means. I knew you were thinking that. That's why God told me to give you that scripture. That's not what it means. He said, keep your heart free of all unforgiveness. You gotta make yourself vulnerable sometimes. You know? You're not losing anything. We feel like we're losing when we don't give them a piece of our mind. I ain't got to put up with that. I'm going to tell them. No, don't tell them. Don't do anything. Just let God fight that battle if you want to win. Amen? Amen. It's about our witness. I'm, I'm right. I'm the, my, my last close right here. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told this parable. This is what Jesus said. What man of you have a hundred sheep? If he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. I was going to go on and read you some more parables just like that about how much the Lord loves us and how much value He places on you. But I want you to read that when you get home. Amen? It might sound silly, you know, to, to hear about somebody who leaves the 99 to go find one until you're the one that needs finding. Amen? Everybody out there needs Jesus. And there was a time... I'm, you know, I, I'm going to have a, a talk with Paul when I see him because he says in here, uh, he talked about sinners of whom he was the worst. I'm going to tell him, no, I think I had you beat. <laughs> I needed the Lord is what I needed. I tell people all the time, they get so mad at people and so angry and so unforgiving. I said, pray for them. Ah. I said, the best thing can happen to that person is that God get a hold of their heart. All the people that I ever did any wrong to or that didn't like me, it, the best thing they could do is to run across me now because I would, I, would, I would try to make it up to them if I could. You know? God loves you. You feel it? Yes. You love Him back? Yes. That's why we love Him because He loved us first. That's yes. what the Bible says. Yes. Amen? Yes. All right. Lord, thank You for this message. Thank You for Your truth, Your Word. Help us to bind this message in our hearts. Uh, take root and bear fruit in our lives. Let's protect it from the enemy. We know the evil one will come immediately and try to steal this word from us. We're not going to let him. He's a loser and he's already defeated. He has no authority except that which we give him and we refuse to give him any authority. We're going to put a guard over our mouths, Lord, and we ask that you help us with that, that we will only speak edifying words, things to build people up and not to tear them down. Words of life and not of death. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.